1: Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Ian Whitworth, a serial entrepreneur, self-described reformed brand creative director and author of the soon-to-be-released business book, Undisruptible. Ian loves small business and he reckons everyone would be better off if they went to work for themselves. So great to have you here today.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: You have said um, there's no nice, safe jobs anymore, and that having a job in 2021 is a massive risk. So, I reckon for a lot of our community listening to this, that's actually great news because they're all sole traders and small business owners. But for the rest of us that are listening, that are still, you know, working for the man and holding on to keeping a salary, Why should we be thinking about throwing that away and getting into business for
0: ourselves? There's a lot of confusion around risk in this area because if you do have a job and you suddenly go one day, you know, I think I might set up my own business. Everyone around you, your family, your friends, the guy at the convenience store go, whoa, whoa, steady on, you've got a nice safe job. It's a big risk setting up your own business. And the problem is they don't quite get risk putting a business owner hat on. If you owned a business that only had one client, that's not a business. That's just a a nightmare situation where one person or one company has the power of life or death over you. And if you lost that client, you wouldn't have a business. And it's the same with jobs. Increasingly, employers don't regard employees as something they want to hold on for too long. Suddenly, you might get a, a consultant's report going, hmm, cost overheads are too high. And through no fault of your own, you might be doing an awesome job, but they just decide to cut headcount by 10% worldwide. And suddenly, you're gone and you have no control over that whatsoever. So, the only way to really get some control over the situation in 2021 is to set up your own place.
1: So you don't have to have a great big idea, do you? I mean, you could take some of the skills that you're doing at the moment in your existing job and turn that into your own business, couldn't you? Like, I think a lot of people are deterred with starting their own business because, you know, they think, oh, I've got to be the next Canva or the next Atlassian or whatever. But that's not the case, is it?
0: That's not the case at all. Uh, That's another great piece of mythology is that... Successful new businesses are about having a great idea. Great ideas are terrific fun and make a, a cool story, but an idea is not a business. Mm. An idea might be 10% of your business, and the other 90% of your business is sales and hiring staff and finding distribution and pricing and all these other kind of mundane details that if you don't get them right, your business gets rinsed. Mm. So it's, it, the importance of a great idea is is a little uh is a little overstated i think the other element to that i guess is that if you're not happy with your job people sort of go i wish i could work in a completely different field relating to one of my hobbies like you know my <laughs> pets or my craft activities or something and again that's a bad idea the area you currently work in you have a whole bunch of knowledge that you don't know how good your knowledge is there you have c- contacts You understand what makes clients spend that money. And that's kind of the most important skill in business. So the best place to start looking is somewhere around what you're currently doing, maybe a newer, better way to do that.
1: So you don't need a business coach or, you know, someone to map out your life for you before you you make the leap. It's just about understanding what you do well now within your own job and maybe looking at that as an avenue to start your,
0: your own gig. I think that's the best idea. Uh, All business is fun. You don't have to find a fun new area for business to be fun. If it's your business, sure, there's also searing pain involved, but there's a (laughs) tremendous amount of of fun. And it doesn't have to be in areas that people go, whoa, that's so much fun. I mean, my main business is in events and people go, whoa, events are so much fun. Behind the scenes, it's actually, it's just business. It's just work. And the, the mentality of having a business there is the same as having a a business in in brake pads or aged care equipment or any other area that people might think is not glamorous but if it's yours it is actually quite fun
1: yeah i think uh that's the thing with a lot of jobs that are in you know the entertainment sector or Of something like events or whatever like people see that as being glamorous and forget that there is all that hard yards that goes on behind the scene I remember like I did music journalism for a really long time and you'd be going to all of the you know Splendid in the Grass or Big Day Out and all that kind of stuff and people would be like oh that's so awesome and yeah it was awesome but they'd forget that actually you wouldn't get to see any of the bands that were playing because You'd be backstage doing interviews the whole time. And, yeah, you got to talk to the artist, but it was, you know, 15 minutes and you'd miss all the great gigs. <laughs> so <laughs> poor me, but, yeah. <laughs> um, uh,
0: t- uh, as, a, as a long-time uh, Splendor goer, I, uh, I totally get that. Sometimes you're better off just going as a, uh, as a random punter and not having to do work.
1: <laughs> yeah. So say that people have made the leap, they've got their own business, like a lot of our our listeners, they're sole traders though. So how do you make, when you're trying to get out there and get customers, sometimes it can be a little bit daunting if you're a sole trader because people just think sole trader, sole operator, you know, how can we trust that you can get the job done right? So how can you make sure that people take you as seriously as they would a, a bigger operation?
0: There's lots of different ways. Uh, A lot of small business owners kind of signal their smallness with the things they do, Mm. like uh, and and customers are nervous. They want to know that you're going to turn up. (laughs) You're not just going to take their money and never be heard of again. So just basic old-school reassurance methods, like having a landline phone and an actual office address, on your website and business cards and whatever, and mm. even though those the office and the landline are virtual things that divert straight to your mobile people's kind of risk avoidance instincts they're like herd animals they're just reassured by things like that mm. uh, likewise investing a bit investing a bit in design and branding up front so that it doesn't look like a small business is good yeah Yeah. you can now i mean i i, I came from a uh, creative director background i had my own ad agency and did a lot of branding and one of the reasons i set this business up was because brands actually work and they make money for you mm. and so i'd suggest all these ideas to clients and they go oh it's a bit risky i don't know about it and i'm like mm. screw you i'm going to bet all the money i own in the world to set up an actual brand and do all this stuff myself and uh it's worked really nicely and from the start because clients are, are kind of reassured by a brand. So it's worth spending a bit of money up front. You can get your logo done now for 50 bucks online, mm. but it looks like it. I draw, yeah. I draw the analogy of uh, if you had to wear the same pair of shoes to every meeting with every client and all your staff for the next 10 years, would you spend fifty bucks on those shoes, <laughs> because functionally, yes, you're equipped to go out in public, but no one's going home with you, so it's worth spending a spending a bit more money on on making a website and design that actually says this is a a bigger company. Mm. and you know, hiring other people to answer the phone for you so that you're not answering the phone mm. or yeah I mean I remember the Atlassian guys telling the story about how they just answered the phone uh, Atlassian accounts payable department uh, depending on what was going on with that call so there's a certain <laughs> amount of bluffing but you have to try yeah, it's it's yeah. very much the wizard of Oz situation you just have to try and use whatever technique you can technique you can to make yourself look bigger and clients go oh this mm. is a legit business I'm dealing with and that becomes a self-fulfilling situation
1: yeah so you might be the little man behind the curtain spinning all the dials but
0: (laughs) hopefully the client's dog won't pull your curtain back but uh yeah Yeah. it's it's uh it does work it takes time yeah you can't you can't just instantly do it but these perceptions if you just keep the perception consistent for a few years it's a cumulative thing and you just get there there's no sudden Oh, my God, breakthrough moment. But if you're consistent about it, you will get there.
1: A segue to the dog that you just mentioned. I was looking on your website earlier and you had a really great story about a campaign that you did for your own business where you you used a dog in the creative and how that really worked for you.
0: We did use a dog. I originally studied as a vet, which was a catastrophic failure, uh, but uh, <laughs> so I got a bit of time for dogs. Uh, it's interesting that it's a scientifically proven fact that people relate to animals in campaigns. They just go, Ooh. oh, look, an animal. You just you're, you're, Your primitive brain just notices animals. So we Ooh. used a uh, happy, bug-eyed, brown Labrador with its tongue hanging out as a kind of metaphor for how keen we were for new customers to help you out what it actually related mm-hmm. to was we lifted a um we lifted a 50 more than 50 year old campaign from avis in the uh 60s us where they came up with the uh we're number two because so we have to try harder so yeah. in literally in those ads they said hey anyone can use this concept so we're like cheers avis we'll do that so we put ourselves out as the number two audiovisual company in our field and people are like, oh, you know, it's so nice that you're so keen for work because in every field, there's a a giant player who gets all the business and maybe they're a bit complacent about it. So if you can position yourself as the keen one, as say, you know, Virgin did with airlines, you can create a, a nice place for yourself in the market.
1: It's an interesting idea isn't it because it is true about that complacency the big brands have that complacency and as a small business you can't compete at that same level but by going oh hey I am great and I'm number two that kind of puts
0: you in the playing field there is an old saying in the advertising industry can I swear on this podcast sure (laughs) Uh, there is an old saying of of agencies pitching for big clients and that's elephants (laughs) elephants so (laughs) if you're a if you're a agency with only 10 staff pitching for the giant number one telco they're probably going to swipe left on you they're probably going Mm -hmm. to go with an elephant because they want to have lots of elephant meetings with lots of people in it and that's and that's totally cool Whereas if you position yourself as as the underdog, it's lovely, not just as a marketing thing, but it provides a very clear compass to all your staff that that's what we're about. So mm. they actually do try harder. They go, yeah, we're the up and comers. We're growing. Uh, we're going places and we're excited by that. And that's one of the issues with any sort of branding is it has to be something your staff can get on board with and say out loud without embarrassment. Mm. Staff will never say, "Yeah, we offer a end-to-end range of leading premium solutions." Because whatever marketing oh.
1: strategy <laughs> like, what is. is that,
0: <laughs> whereas if you just go, "We're the number two, keen guys," they're like, "Yes, we are," and and they become that.
1: And just that that spiel that you gave with that, where you rambled off all those terms, all those words that people put in the way of genuine conversations. It's just,
0: oh. <laughs>
1: it just kind of infuriates me, to be honest. Just like, what, just be direct, say what you mean. You don't need to couch stuff in all of this gobbledygook and marketing speak, and it doesn't work, really.
0: It doesn't work. It just makes you look the same as everybody else. It doesn't make you look smart or clever.
1: So for a small business, when they're thinking about marketing, what would your best advice be for them? What should they do to make themselves stand out
0: it's a very broad question. <laughs> that, is a, ooh, that is a broad question. Um, uh, A few tips, mainly relating to outsourced advice. Don't try and do your own because you're just not good at it and it's really hard. Mm. Don't rely on what your brother-in-law reckons. Most good marketing ends up being killed by client market research which means asking their relatives or friends what they reckon and they're not the client and their opinion is absolutely worthless um no, few other professions have to deal with that kind of uh anecdotal uh anecdotal stuff so if you can find ask around other small business owners and see if they know someone who's worked well for them as a general tip for example like when i was making my website as a counterintuitive move, what I did was I went through all the online options for setting up the website. Mm. And I picked the most expensive one. And people are like, oh my god, surely that's against the rule number one of your lean startup rulebook. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I could have got it done for 99 bucks by someone on the other side of the world. Mm. Uh, but I got it done for 400 bucks by someone who lives in my time zone Mm. and by deliberately choosing the most expensive option they got that website set up in two days with about three emails from me they just got it done because they were really good uh and so i saved literally dozens maybe hundreds of hours of my own time yeah. dicking around with a cheap supplier who doesn't get it and it's 400 bucks is still absurdly cheap you know websites mm. used to cost an absolute ton of money and uh, my view is that in the online creative marketplaces for getting uh stuff made if you're if you're good enough to charge more than the other people then you must be really good to have mm. that confidence so uh that's that's good um Also, if you can find someone, this took me quite a while, find someone good to do your own digital marketing, which is obviously where most of it goes these days, Hmm. because there's a lot of, uh, again, Wizard of Oz style shit going on behind the curtain. You don't understand. Yeah. And if you can find someone... Uh, who's Who's worked for other people and they've they'd recommend them grab them don't try and do it yourself uh Google and Facebook both have diY options for doing your own digital marketing and they're basically just a vacuum cleaner for sucking the money out of your bank account as fast <laughs> as possible and giving you giving you sir, some numbers which look impressive, but they mean nothing and they won't sell. So uh, so get someone in that behind the scenes. If you go into the behind the scenes versions of it, it is just a shifting nightmare. Trying to stay on top of all the algorithm changes is, is like trying to get a large octopus into a small bucket. There's just (laughs) stuff. Everything is changing from minute to minute. Uh, So yeah, you, you as a business person, you could literally spend every hour of your day mucking around with that. Whereas you should actually be calling customers. Mm. that's what you should be doing and get someone else to to do that side of it Mm. depends on your area but yeah literally chasing customers and again it's a it's a very ancient concept but start with your existing customers and just service the hell out of them and that's where most of your business will come from we've grown the business kind of 20 to 30 percent a year since we started which Mm. is which is quite it's not digital startup growth but we're quite a high capex business so it's quite a heavy level of growth the amount of that growth that's come from actual cold new business calls is mm, let me just think zero Mm. it's all it's all come from treating your first bit of work with a new client as an ad for your product Mm. and going how are they going to go Wow, these people are so much better I'm going to use them again, and I'm going to tell other people about them. This is not new information, but it's easy to forget.
1: Do you think that's what uh, held you in good stead during COVID? Were you able to draw on your existing customers to be able to manage to keep the doors open?
0: Uh, COVID was quite a heavy situation for us because being in events, Mm. what we do was literally made illegal. Mm. It wasn't like there was a downturn. It was like nothing. Yes. So what we ended up doing was, well, like we do, we do the technology that uh, people use for large events, you know, video screens, lights, staging, big sound systems, uh, video cameras, and so. What we did in the early days of COVID was realized that. Zoom as a concept is good for meetings and pedestrian mm. day-to-day work, but nobody was ever inspired by Zoom. Mm. It Visually, it's a, it's a pretty wretched product. So what we did was set up effectively pop-up TV studios in our idle warehouses and said mm-hmm. to clients, look, if you've got an important announcement, you should do it like it's a TV show in our studios. So that gave us enough activity to keep all of our full-time staff with us. Uh, wow. When most in air industry let most of their staff go, so yeah. so it was it was quite tense, and we did all of this, and we sort of committed to keeping the staff before JobKeeper came in. So yeah. as a result, those staff were pretty fired up to come up with new ideas, and so the, the the technical developments they've come up with in making online communication better is remarkable because we kind of looked out for them in the extremely bad times. And it's still kind of quite bad. Yeah, we literally had uh, had twenty thousand bucks worth of work uh, cancelled yesterday afternoon in Melbourne. Oh. Uh, so it's still a, it's still a clear and present danger to our business. So get vaccinated, people.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, it's kind of a nice segue as well—not the vaccination part, but the, the disruption part into your book, which is coming out next month. Would you like to give our listeners a little bit of a rundown about
0: Undisruptible? Sure. It's a uh, There's no shortage of business books, is there? There's about no. a billion of them come out, <laughs> <laughs> come out each year. And, and for me, none of them quite convey the fun of business. Like yeah. business, having your own business is a choose-your-own-adventure thrilling experience in itself, apart from the fact that you can make lots of money, which is also cool. Uh, So I kind of, I wrote it to try and convey that Uh, it it came out of my blogging through COVID. And so what it describes is how to, I guess, seize your own control over your own destiny by starting up your own business. And when we set up our own business, we were burdened by more mythology about how business actually works, because Mm -hmm. we had worked under private equity owners and they were very mba style people and they had a lot of big business ideas on how small businesses should work and we found that to be a pretty horrendous experience so our rule was whatever they would do we do the opposite so uh, we set up a business which had uh a, much less management we threw out a lot of the old rules and uh and focused largely uh largely on staff more staff less management and uh yeah so the book is the book is effectively a step-by-step manual on if you've decided to make that jump how to actually do it from how to name your brand from an ex-professional brand namer yeah i've named some snack foods and uh things like that uh exciting times and, uh, you know, how to the, how to structure it. Um, I'm in a, our business is set up so that I'm, I don't work in the business. Mm. We've got equity holders in each location who run that business like it's their own. So that's an exciting position to be in, which gives mm. you time to sort of write a book. So it's how to, it's how to give people the freedom to actually do their best work so that you can step back from the business and uh yeah just uh just demolished a lot of myths so there's a lot of you know, stuff about the legal things you have to look at how to how to manage stuff how to <laughs> deal with finance all the things that a lot of people get into small businesses because they love the topic but they have no concept of finance and so they just go oh my accountant handles that for me And it's like that is a dead business walking you don't actually need heavy duty maths to understand business. Yeah, you know, year six maths will do. I'm, I'm no maths wizard, but mm. if you can, if you can read a few basic ratios, your business will be much safer and have much more cash in it. Mm. So it covers, it covers the, the practical realities of it. And, um, I'd like to think it's kind of fun to read. Um, I got the, I got the loveliest review from the proofreader at penguin, uh, yeah. and proofreaders don't care about your book. They're just there to check errors. And, uh, she sent an email to my editor saying, the book itself is superb and I enjoy it every minute, which is oh. not something not something I ever thought I'd say about a business book. This old socialist was chortling out loud all the way through. <laughs> so if, if Undisruptible can convert old socialists into liking business, then I call that a result.
1: Yeah, it's an <laughs> awesome result.
0: It's lovely. I was so happy when I saw that. I don't expect to get a better review from anyone. That's just the best. <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you so much, Ian. It's been great having a chat with you today. Um, good luck with the book launch. Thank and you. I hope you sell bazillions of copies because it is a great read. Thank, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Pleasure chatting. And uh, people, set up your own business. It's awesome, fun, and not quite as terrifying as everyone around you is telling you.
1: <laughs> thank you.